0: Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, April 7th, 2019. Our text for the day is from John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 8, which are as follows.
1: Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for the 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me.
0: Ours! is a most frustrating Lord. Yes, that's right. I just stood up here and told you ours is a most frustrating Lord. This Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, is a most frustrating character at times. And he's especially frustrating the deeper you go in the Gospels. And the more that you read about Jesus' interactions with His disciples, and the more that you read about Jesus' interaction with those around Him who were His disciples, you get the feeling that Jesus just didn't get the human condition. Because in more than one place in the Gospels, what's patently obvious to everyone there, Jesus turns on its head immediately. This passage reminds me so much of a few people that I can put in my mind. Have you ever met someone who doesn't have a positive thing to say about anybody? Have you ever met anybody like that? Here's a more important question. Are you somebody like that? The sad thing, and again, I used to get mad. But now I feel sadness and pity for those who walk around perpetually angry with a chip on their shoulders. Choir, do y'all know anybody like that? Would y'all put it up with anybody in your friendship circles who's like that? Why? Negativity is not of God. Anger is not of God. Gossip is not of God. Self-righteousness, as we learned a few weeks ago, is not of God. And this passage, the Mary and Martha story is told in several different places in the Gospels. But in John's telling, we get a different take on this Mary and Martha story that makes us, to borrow a phrase, look again at our own faith and the faith of the church. Six days before the Passover, as Gracie read, Jesus went to Lazarus. Martha served. Meanwhile, Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard. And I'm not going to tell you what nard is. You're going to have to Google it. You're going to do some research. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this one. But I want to ask you, Actually, no, I want to make an observation. Strike that. I want to make an observation. As faithful Christians, around what is our schedule built? Are our schedules, is worship a priority unless we have something else better come along? Think about the theology of that for a minute. Is Bible study a central part of our calendar schedule? Or is it that we're too busy for that? Is prayer, daily prayer and devotion, something that is central to our life? Or something that we make time for if we can? Do we bring to God those gifts? And I'm not talking just financial. I'm talking about do we make it a priority of what we give to God? And prayers, presents, gifts, service, and witness. As faithful United Methodists, we don't pick and choose, as we learned last fall, we don't pick and choose which ones of those that we choose to follow. If you don't have. And yet, you notice when Jesus comes to the house, Mary does not bring out the cheap stuff. To use another analogy, she doesn't bring out the stuff with a screw-top screw cap. She brings out the good stuff that costs a whole lot of money and starts to wipe our master's feet. And you start looking at that and move away from it being anointing his feet. And you start asking yourself, well, what do I, when Jesus shows up, what do I bring Jesus Do I bring him the good stuff from the back of the cellar? Or do I try to get away with giving him as little as possible at little cost to me? To pursue this idea further, I highly recommend The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. What do we bring Jesus, brothers and sisters? What do we bring him as individuals, and what do we bring him as a church? What do we bring Him as the faithful? For you see, the cool thing about Mary in this world, look at what she did. She brought Jesus the best. And that's the first thing we must remember as we go through our Lenten season, is we must bring Jesus our best. Let me ask you this. How many of you would settle for a God who didn't give us His very best? How many of you would love for God to operate toward us the way that we operate toward God? Are there any takers? Anybody? I'll get the lamp out start searching. Flip the tables. Let us look at what God, we bring God and ask ourselves, would we want God bringing that to us? After all, that is part of what the season of Lent is all about. It's about through prayer, fasting, and sacrifice, taking stock of our lives and seeing where it is that we need to grow in our faith and our love of God. As we see here, we must bring Jesus the best. But then you notice the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. If I could get away with it, I would bring incense back into the church. Because the reason why incense is used in worship is it's part of engaging the five senses in the worship of God. And the smell of incense as it, as it walks through the sanctuary is a reminder of the presence of God. I'd love to even put some potpourri in here see what would happen but I'm not that brave. Because in case y'all didn't notice, sometimes people like to talk about what the preacher did worship. I just don't know if you're aware of that. But if we truly wanted to be traditional, if you consider yourself a traditionalist, if you consider yourself orthodox, if you consider yourself in such a way that nothing should ever change in the life of the church, you should be buying me the incense this afternoon because that's how the church worshiped a long time ago. Any takers? Well, what we see in this story, though, is that serving Christ fills the room. Serving Christ fills the room. When we worship our Lord and when we serve our Lord, it is contagious. We don't worship our Lord and serve our Lord for the sake of others. We do it for the sake of God. But when we are serving our Lord... It is noticed by all. It fills the room. And we're a little over halfway through Lent. Let me ask you Is your service of Christ filling the rooms of your life? I did not say about what you do, I'm talking about your attitude. I know that as much as I would love to think I do I don't. There's not a one of us in here that can answer that question in any affirmatively 100 percent. But the beautiful thing about the gift of Lent is it gives us a chance to take stock and to make the necessary changes. And then Judas comes along, you gotta love Ju- Judas. Judas I find the most fascinating of the disciples and not because he betrayed Jesus. But go do a little work on Judas, and you might have a little more sympathetic view than you realize. I think in this passage here, Judas is a lot more like, we identify as much with Judas here as we do when we betray Christ our Lord. Judas gets on his high and mighty. You know anybody who's high and mighty? Anybody? Good. But Judas Iscariot said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Judas is operating under his own motives. Because as you see, John records the fact that Judas' Judas's motives weren't pure. And if there was a fourth point to the sermon, that would be it. We must worship God with the purest of motives. But then he says something here that really is the most aggravating part of the Gospels for the way that it is used. We are called to serve those less fortunate. We are called to bring the gospel. We are called to meet the needs of the poor. And I have heard more than one person in my 43 years. Use the last verse of this passage as a way to engage in the most unchristian attitude, I think it might be possible. Because Jesus says, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it from the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. People say, Well, preacher, the Bible says we're always going to have the poor with us, so I really don't have to do any more than I do. And I'm not kidding. That is an exact quote from more than one person over 25 years scary thing is I wonder sometimes that if even if we don't say it, we live it. After all, if we were feeding hungry, clothing naked, and sheltering homeless, what our country and our political arena have what it does now? Is the current situation we're in vis-a-vis political ideology, maybe instead of criticizing it, maybe the church ought to own a little bit of it. Jesus says, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And we can interpret that a million different ways. But for the purposes of this message, let us remember that God's work is never ending. God's work is never ending. Jesus is reminding us that our work never stops. That we will always have the poor, the homeless. We will always have the hungry. And as such, our work never ends. And I want to ask you this morning, in this season of transformation, this season of Lent, how different would your life look If you lived out the idea that we are to bring Jesus the best. If you lived out the idea that serving Christ fills the room. If you lived in such a way that you realize that God's work is never ending. How different would our church look if our concern was about bringing Jesus the best? If our concern was about serving, we're realizing that serving Christ fills the room? And that God's work is never ending. My friends, look again. It's not just at an old story about Mary and Martha, but look again as look at your life and look at the life of our church. There's always room to grow. But may we never, ever compromise on these three simple truths found in this eight verses of the first, 12th chapter of John. May we always be those who look again. For when we quit looking at ourselves, and when we quit looking and analyzing our own faith, is the day that we are headed for a very non-Christian outcome and for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana. You may find out more about our ministries at fumcdeRitter.org or by finding us on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.